Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 30 of Renar Voice. My name is Robert Swatala, and I'm one of the co-hosts for Renar Voice. With me today is my friend and colleague, Jeff Mazzone. Jeff, before we get started today, we're going right, to get right into a very important topic, I think, for for us in our profession. But before we get started today, I just wanted to let our new listeners and those that may be listening for the first time about what Renar Voice is. Renar is R-E-N-A-R, and that stands for Rho, Ada, Nu, Alpha, Rho. And we are an online CSI chapter for Liberty University. Uh, CSI is our honor society, uh, Chi Sigma Iota. And last year, we had the opportunity to, to lead the RENAR chapter uh, into existence, uh, myself and Jeff, and, and I'll be graduating from Liberty's master's program here in May, and Jeff is finishing up as well. And uh, we're just really excited to be able to have the opportunity to do this. And, and Jeff, um, if you could just maybe introduce yourself and then get right into our guest for today, if you don't mind. Sure. Yep. Thanks, Robert, for that. Yeah, I just graduated from Liberty a few weeks ago, and I'll be starting residency at a private practice in Stafford, Virginia, just south of D.C. Uh, Robert and I are you know, students of Liberty. I've just graduated, like I said, and we had started this podcast through our new CSI chapter a little over a year ago. And this is going to be one of our special feature episodes, uh, given the the topic here, what we've seen come up in the CESNET and with the 2024 uh, KCREP standard revisions. So we're really honored to have Dr. Jesse Fox here with us today. So let me just quickly introduce him and we'll kind of get right into the topic. Dr. Fox is an associate professor of counselor education at Stetson University and executive director of Episcopal Counseling Center of St. Barnabas Episcopal Church. He has published over 40 peer-reviewed articles and book chapters on the role of religion and spirituality and mental health, psychotherapy, clinical training, and assessment, along with co-authoring two books with Rutledge Press, entitled Bringing Religion and Spirituality into Therapy and Spirituality and Avoiding Difficult Emotions, Working with Spiritual Bypass, which is expected uh, later this year. He currently serves as president-elect of the Association for Spiritual, Ethical, and Religious Values in Counseling, a CERVIC, and served as chairman of the Religious and Spiritual Competence Task Force. In his role as director of a faith-based counseling center, Dr. Fox has developed a strong background in building partnerships with faith leaders and community stakeholders related to mental health care. So, Dr. Fox, good morning, and thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, good morning to you. Uh- Jeff, uh, as well as Robert, it's really uh, amazing actually to hear about your two role in um, upstarting uh, the chapter as well as this podcast. So you all are just doing really great work and congrats on on, uh, graduation. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, Robert and I actually have never met in person, so we will meet when we walk together. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah. So Dr. Fox, again, as I mentioned before, uh, Robert and I subscribe to the, the CESNET listserv there, the emails, and all of a sudden we see your joint letter come in with the other um, presidents of ACERVIC, and we hadn't heard anything about this. Hmm. So can you walk us through what is happening with the 2024 KCREP Educational Standards Revision? ACERVIC's response, uh, just kind of walk us through what's going on, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. And um I should say um, the KCREP standards are in, in the process of a, a regularly scheduled revision. And so what you see us responding to is not something completely unexpected. The, the standards themselves, just for people who may not be aware, 
um, the KCREP standards are re-edited every cycle. And when these are, are looked at again by uh, a group within KCREP that's called the Standards Review Committee, they um, are revised. And, and the purpose of that revision process is to make them more effective at then promoting uh, the training process of counselors who are part of KCREP uh, programs. And so I should say, you know, the, the revision process is nothing unexpected. What was unexpected to, to us was that uh, previously in, in the, the current standards, religion, spirituality come up um, as explicit standards of training within uh, the multicultural uh, standards. Um, and then they are also mentioned in the addictions uh, counseling standards. This time when, when the um, revisions were published for comments from the community, that's when we first noticed uh, as presidents that those particular words were left out of the multicultural section of, of training. And so where the, the KCREP standards are at in terms of that revision process, it's not complete. This is not a, the complete form. Um, and this is a standard process that the KCREP uses um, to elicit feedback from their stakeholders, uh, who are, of course, counselor educators and counseling uh, students. And so they openly ask for comments, uh, perspectives from the community uh, to be able to improve the standards so that uh, they're in their best form when they are actually implemented. And that will be implemented uh, in 2024. So there's still a couple years before these would be adopted and then implemented. So um, KCREP provided December 31st um, of 2021 as the deadline to provide um, open feedback through their, their link that they, again, part of the standard process, they do this every time. And so the letter that we wrote um, was sent to them in response to that. And so this letter was intended to be able to, one, highlight the importance of this issue and also encourage dialogue within the community around how best to approach the revision process um, so that these topics are well represented um, and then that then influences how uh, people are trained around these topics. So, Dr. Fox, maybe even to back up a little bit further, like the research out there shows that, you know, the, the effectiveness or the importance of spirituality in the counseling relationship, where did this gain momentum as, as not being something that should be a standard when regardless of, of faith belief system, it, the research shows this being at least an element that shouldn't be ignored? Like, can you, can you just share like why that, what the thought process is on the other end of, of possibly removing this or at least sending it out for public comment? Yeah, sure. I, I don't um, want to speak, of course, for the uh, standard review committee um, because I don't serve on that committee. But, you know, I think when um, standards for accreditation are developed, there's kind of two basic approaches to take. 
One basic approach is what we've seen, I think, more in the past with, with this language, um, and that is to mention you know, explicitly certain aspects of culture or certain um, dynamics around cultural identity, certain features of cultural identity in a very specific way. Okay, and I think that that's one approach to take. The other approach I think to take is to kind of define it and then make the standard itself a little bit more flexible and broader um, in terms of how it can be interpreted and applied. What we saw um, with uh, the current revision is that we see a more broad definition or broad sweep in terms of what that particularly in that multicultural section is is proposed in its current form. So I I don't necessarily think that there was any intention to leave it out, but what um, what we wanted to communicate in our letter, I think, was that was that the the broad approach can leave this out of the training process because um, what we have seen historically is that if this isn't mentioned, it tends to not be implemented. And so if we, um, if we do take the approach, that was the danger I think that we saw is that if we leave it out of being mentioned as a part of, of multicultural identity, um, then it won't get a, as much focus on. And there's some, there's some historical reasons for why that's the case, it, it, just in terms of the training process. And that's part of what um, the project that I'm working on right now, it's called the Spiritual Religious Competency Project, is aiming to make some headroads uh, and, and some changes in. And, it, and I should say, too, that this isn't just counseling, marriage and family therapy, social work, um, psychology, are also working toward these competencies, what we call spiritual religious competencies, which is basically means there's different ways to define it, but in its most basic terms is that you know each counselor has the basic skills, attitudes, and understanding to be able to work effectively with clients from diverse religious spiritual perspectives. And so uh, we, we can talk a little bit more if you're interested about the history behind that and, and part of why that might be so important to highlight. But, but in broad sweep, yes, the, the research is there that this needs to be a focus. This, um, this is vital to um, psychological functioning, um, and that's why it should be relevant you know, for counselors um, to be aware of uh, from a number of angles. And so we, we live in a very, I think, exciting time for this area because we have, within the last 20 years, um, just a, an upsurge of scholarship, research, theoretical models, manualized treatments that are being tested and have shown to have some real promise to them. Um, And so what's interesting is that this has been a part of particularly the counseling profession for a long time. Uh, The counseling profession has has probably actually been one of the leaders in the mental health field, mental fields around the inclusion of spirituality. 
um, in the helping process um, and being open to clients' uh, spiritual frameworks uh, for many, many years. And so those, those are some of the big concerns I think that, that we had um, that are summarized in that letter. Dr. Fox, that's so good. And, and that just, I mean, boy, boy, there's so many different directions we could go there. Um, you know, the one piece that we're concerned about, and this is brought up in the letter, and you just mentioned it here, is, you know, this relationship between counselor identity, the wellness model, the role that religious and spiritual competencies play, especially in how c- counselors help people. And I think of, you know, the CSI podcast here, the 2019 CSI position paper on wellness, in, in which the authors said, hey, like, wellness is our distinguishing characteristic from the other mental health professions. And like you said, the other professions are actually moving to emphasize these competencies more. And yet now, if we're understanding what's, what could be happening, it may become less of a focus for us yeah. in our counselor identity and our educational standards. So, I mean, can you, can you walk us through a little bit that relationship between the wellness model, our identity, and, and how all that works? Absolutely. Yeah. The, the whole concept of wellness uh, started to become persuasive, influential. You know, it, it, was, it was counselor educators who were really on the ground floor of that within, the, within mental health. And, and I'm thinking specifically about, <clears throat> um, you know, the, the five-factor model of wellness, which is very, very uh, popular in wellness research now in counseling. Um, you know, and a, a lot of that research started to take root around the, the 90s um, and uh, uh, it, it, with Jane Myers and Sweeney and, and Whitmer, those, those folks were very influential in um, promoting the concept of wellness as a, as a framework for helping within the counseling field. And I think that this can be contrasted a bit with the way that other helping fields place their focus. Some place their focus more on the medical model. Some place their focus more on systemic change. Um, and so within the wellness paradigm and embracing the wellness paradigm as, as a way of, of conceptualizing counseling, um, theory, practice, research, it, there's no... Um, there's no accident that spirituality was a core component of that from, from really the beginning. And so I think that in the beginning of that whole process, the, the inclusion of spirituality was very pivotal um, to, to the counseling profession also including that within their standards. And, and so counseling was one of the first to really embrace spirituality and religion as key aspects of counselor identity that need to be recognized, uh, affirmed, and, and worked with in, in the counseling process, as opposed to practicing what um, sometimes is referred to as spiritually avoidant care, meaning you know, the, the counselor or the psychotherapist avoids broaching the topic of spirituality with their clients, or if it is brought up, quickly shifts topic to something else. Counseling took a very different perspective on that. Um, that was in contrast to, and this is where we get into some of the history around this. This is in contrast to really the, some of the beginnings of the talk therapy 
world. A number of people have talked about, you know, the history of, of Western psychotherapy um, having an antagonistic relationship around a lot of these issues um, through Freud and Skinner and, and Ellis. It's a complicated history, but, but there has been this, this great tension there between mental health, uh, religious communities, and, and spirituality. Now, I, I think what tends to get less focused, though, um, are, the, are the individuals who didn't have quite as much of an antagonistic or conflictual relationship. People like Carl Rogers, um, Carl Jung, had much more of an accommodative perspective to their clients' uh, religious experiences. They didn't view them as, by definition, pathological, which some, some other theorists could. And, uh, and so the counseling profession in particular really gets a lot of its influence from Rogers and, and his, humanistic, um, his humanistic approach. And so I think that's part of the history of why, you know, the counseling field was, was so um, kind of open to this from its, its foundation. And so when we get to today, there's definitely still, um, you know, some work to be done to, uh, to promote the basic idea of religious spiritual competence across counselor training. Um, and, and there's evidence, you know, that's been gathered by Craig Cashwell, Scott Young, and, and others um, that when students are surveyed about their training around these issues, there's not a lot of cohesion around the training process for this in terms of what counts for competence. There's a lot that's still left to be wanted by, by counselor trainees um, around these issues, um, even after going through um, multicultural training. And so we, we're at a really interesting time, though, like I said, because we have more, we have more information than we ever have to say that this is uh, something that's relevant for people. It's something that people actually look for um, to talk about with their counselors. When they talk about it with their counselors, um, they tend to do better. If they experience a negative bias around these issues, they tend to do worse. These topics can really enrich the counseling process for people, make it more um, effective in some cases. Um, and we know, too, that uh, people really struggle with these topics. And when people really are going through a religious crisis or, or a spiritual struggle, um, we know that that has an effect, a, a cascading effect psychologically for them so that they develop depression. It complicates um, the recovery from trauma. So we have all of this you know, evidence to say that the counseling field um, you know, was really pioneering and really laid the foundation for what we have now. And Dr. Fox, if I'm using my good counseling reflection skills, it sounds like we are at a fork in the road, almost. We, we have this history, we have this, this identity that we've developed in a relatively young profession uh, compared to other comparable pro professions that has involved spirituality. And obviously, 
you know, as students of liberty and of Christian faith, we certainly have a, a strong opinion on which way, which path of this fork KCREP should go. I'm just wondering, do you see this? Um, you guys had the, obviously the response, but are you seeing others maybe in more of the secular light? recognizing the importance of spirituality, that history of spirituality, mm. or is this, is this truly maybe a cultural thing that we're experiencing much like other pieces of our culture that's kind of trying to separate faith from the, the daily world, essentially? Yeah, I, I don't quite see it as necessarily a fork in the road moment, I would say, because I actually see more positive movements toward uh, inclusion of, of these topics um, over, over the last 10 years that I've been involved in, you know, helping train counselors. So, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't say that there's a lack of steam. There's a lack of momentum. I would actually say just the opposite, that there, that there is actually building momentum and increasing openness um, that's been my experience to say that, you know, that it's a topic that is, is not taboo in every corner. Of course, of course not. You know, there's still, um, work to be done, um, on both sides, I would say of, of that divide, you know, that, that we really need to be able to listen to each other. What are each other's concerns around, um, bringing these topics, um, into the counseling training process, and so the Spiritual Religious Competency Project um, that I'm working on is a $5 million Templeton Foundation project. And, and our mission of, of that project um, is to help equip the mental health professions, um, not just counselors, but psychology, social workers, to have these basic skills so that at any point... Um, you know, our, our ideal goal um, is that at any point, a counselor could, uh, excuse me, a client could find a counselor who's ready to, to work with them around this. We're not there yet, obviously, but, you know, our goal is, is that this becomes as routine as, you know, asking a client about, you know, their family history, you know, that, that they also include talking about, you know, what, what their spiritual identity might be, their experience with religion, uh, how important these issues are for them. Um, and so, the major uh, sub-project, we have four major sub-projects of this, of this uh, initiative. The, the fourth sub-project um, of this initiative is intended uh, to be a systems-level change. Uh, project. What, what we've seen over time is kind of, um, kind of upstart research groups that, that happen kind of in isolation within different universities. And of course, that's how it goes in academia. But what, what this project is about is bringing stakeholders together um, to talk together about, you know, if this were to be implemented in your training program, what would need to happen in, in order for that to happen? And so, you know, there, there are certain um, dynamics around this topic that do need to be attended to. So, for instance, one, one is um, scope of practice issues. 
you know, counselors um, are not trained to be spiritual directors. They're not trained to be clergy. And religious spiritual competence doesn't mean that that's what you become for your, your client. And that's, that's one thing I think people can be uh, maybe overly confident about when they get training as a counselor is that they confuse the, the role that they can have with a, with a client in a professional counseling relationship. And so I do think that that's a potential uh, barrier for, for some folks and a real fear for, for trainers, for teachers, supervisors um, to broach these topics with their clients. On the, on the other end of it, you know, I think that there can be um, some real downsides uh, to when this, this topic is neglected in counselor training. And, and one of the real downsides is that, you know, though religious uh, affiliation in this country um, has been on a steady decline and a pretty sharp decline, actually, over the last decade. The vast majority of people still either belong to a traditional religion like Christianity, uh, Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, etc., or they they fall into the uh, uh, spiritual but not religious end of the spectrum. Uh, the nothing in particular end of the spectrum, but still maintain certain practices, like still might pray. They still may believe um, in God, uh, but they don't belong to uh, a religion. And so these topics still remain relevant for, for folks, even in the unaffiliated um, end of the spectrum, for, for different reasons, maybe than for someone who's in the traditional end of the spectrum. Now, the problem with neglecting this in training is that you have a, a vast majority of people who have had either positive or negative experiences with, with religion and spirituality. And so, if this is neglected, it can either neglect a vital resource for them for when they are going through difficult times or just in daily life, how they navigate um, living. The other downside is that if, if this topic isn't trained, um, it can miss the, the religious crisis end of the spectrum. It can miss when people um, are, are really struggling. Um, and, and these struggles are very powerful. Um, you know, uh, Ken Pargament and uh, Crystal Park have, have done just some extraordinary work recently on religious and spiritual struggles. They just released a book about uh, working with religious and spiritual struggles. And, you know, their research has really shown that this can, this can cause massive disruptions for people. People can become suicidal when they're going through these dynamics. For, so for us to, to be neglectful of that and, and the sources, that's, that would be irresponsible, right? Having said that, this is a very complicated and rich area to talk about <laughs> with people. <laughs> this is an area that gets me so excited and I have so much fun um, talking with, with clients, counselor trainees, um, other uh, counselors about this topic, because once you open up this topic and you realize just the rich diversity of this topic, um, I think you can spend the rest of your life 
you know, specializing in it. So I think there's a basic level of competence, but then there's a more advanced level of competence um, that's, that's developing in, in this area. And so um, there's room and there's training opportunities to hit all of those levels now. So there's specialized certificates that counselors can now pursue through, for instance, the Salidin Institute. Um, there's counselor training programs that specialize in this, uh, Liberty B, of course, being one. So, so that's what I mean. There's, there's a spectrum of competence to this now that, that we are grappling with. And that makes it a very exciting. And Robert, I don't think there's any, um, there's any lack of uh, steam behind this. I, I think actually just the opposite. It's moving up even to um, more steep inclines of, of interest, which has been really cool. Dr. Fox, it's really, um, it's hopeful to hear that. I think in my cynicism, uh, especially as a Catholic in a very increasingly anti-Catholic world, uh, I generally am on the defense a lot, which okay. I think is my, is my issue. You know, and even looking at the the Cessnet and, and kind of looking at the different responses to your letter, like, I'm like, there's a part of me that is looking for hostility within the profession because of the religious and spiritual, not, not push, but emphasis, if you will, and especially a cervix history as a, as a Catholic uh, wing of the counseling organization and its history. And then you have your project. And I'm curious, like, what is the response from the profession been toward the project, toward your work? Uh, I guess, what's the target audience um, of the project? Because you mentioned like Liberty, for example, like integration is a strong piece. Uh, are there state schools there where it's not? Is that kind of the target audience? Uh, is it faithful, religious, spiritual clinicians who didn't get the integration training in their program? And so therefore they would be interested in your project? Like what's the, what's the target here? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, our, our project really aims at all of those different pockets, actually, uh, Jeff. W one thing, uh, so I, I was mentioning our, our fourth, what's called sub-project, um, our systems level change uh, project. It, you know, in that particular project, which is ongoing, so I can't really say exactly, you know, in, in, in really clear terms, what the response has been from the community yet, um, broadly speaking, uh, counselors, psychologists, social workers, et cetera. Um, but, you know, what we really saw um, as, as a big need um, actually is to engage people who are not necessarily enthusiasts about the topic, who, people who are not going to be specialists um, in this topic. And, and the reason is, is that we can get very, very siloed um, when we have a specialty. And so though I'm very energized by this topic, um, I see this as a very enriching topic. That might not be the case for another colleague of mine who has a very different background, different perspective, different history, uh, the different training than, than what I've received. And so I think that there is kind of a, a natural kind of uh, hesitancy, maybe, uh, if you don't have the training background I have, the interests that I have, 
Um, because like I said, once you open up this topic, you do realize very quickly how vast this topic is. We're, we're talking literally about traditions that have been around for thousands of years. And to, to try to put all, encapsulate all of that into contemporary terms and then take into account the fluidity of people's uh, current process around navigating these, these issues for themselves, um, it's daunting. I, I feel daunted uh, when, when I crack open a, a textbook. And so there's, I think, a, a bit of kind of uh, healthy trepidation around that, if I could put it that way, uh, healthy respect, I guess. But, you know, I can take some things for granted because I've been looking at this for so long um, that I don't realize, uh, you know, could be there, you know, so like, for instance, the scope of practice issue. Um, you know, that's, that's something I'm not quite as concerned about because of my background, but I could see someone who doesn't have the training I have, they could really see that as really encroaching upon, you know, uh, either the religious leader's role or, or their role as, as a, as a counselor. So that's in a nutshell, you know, we're trying to get at, um, not just people who really care about this topic, but we want to know and understand from the perspective of people who maybe have a very different perspective than we have about the inclusion of this training. You know, what are our blind spots, right? You know, in, in terms of, you know, bringing this into, you know, your, your standard KCREP uh, curriculum course on multicultural identity, right? And, and so part of our process is actually to elicit their feedback about our process um, in, in that particular sub-project. Our other sub-projects, uh, we're, we're focusing on actually a training fellowship. So our, our sub-project one includes um, actually recruiting uh, counseling, psychology, social work, uh, marriage and family therapy programs to uh, implement a uh, empirically tested training process that was spearheaded by um, Holly Oxhandler, Ken Pargament, and Michelle Pierce um, that is uh, a spiritually oriented training certificate that they've um, adapted to be able to be implemented into clinical courses. Um, and so that in that uh, project, we're actually also asking for, for programs to apply who have not had a spirituality course before within their training program to apply for the reason, for all the reasons that we talked about here, you know, that we want to, we want to um, uh, test this out uh, in, in, the, in the mainstream training process. Uh, that project's coming open in the spring. Um, and so you probably will actually see some, some more information um, come out through listservs about how to apply as a program to actually implement that training process within, within your program. Um, Subproject two um, is well underway. Uh, that's a, the project that I lead. Um, and that is a request for funding proposal competition where um, people have applied for grants, um, subgrants. Uh, we're actually currently in the phase of reviewing those applications right now. 
Um, and so we have recruited multidisciplinary teams um, across the country that represent psychology, counseling, social work, um, MFT. And so we really want people working together um, across these professional identities because when we look at the competency models that are out there, there's some unique differences, but there's also some very clear overlap to uh, how uh, it, competence has been conceptualized in different professions uh, of mental health. Um, and then subproject three um, is really a national benchmark study that uh, our colleagues, uh, Holly Oxhandler and um, uh, Clay Polson are working on that helps us to gauge um, at a national level, kind of, uh, I think, really central your question about what's the response to this. And, and we'll know much better within uh, the next five years, five to 10 years, what the real response to this is. That will help us to establish the degree to which people in the mental health uh, fields are adopting religious spiritual competence as a regular practice. Um, and so your question about what is a response been, you know, it's going to take some time to see what that's going to, how that's all going to unfold. Um, but, you know, we really haven't had a real national look at that a question. Um, and that's one of the areas I think that's a weakness is really gauging, you know, how interested and then how, how much are people actually applying religious and spiritual competence, uh, broadly speaking, in, in a national sense. Um, and so that, that might help to, you know, get a better uh, temperature read on, you know, are people interested in this? Is there resistance to this topic? Um, where might those sources of resistance be coming from? Are we creating those who, who are enthusiasts um, on our end? How can we address those? Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about that because it does help to address those issues and concerns, I think, that, that, that you're raising. So, Dr. Fox, that's all really, really great stuff. And, and, and much like Jeff, I think going into this, I was probably a little bit more skeptical, but it sounds like maybe there's some a, a lot more momentum than maybe what I thought on the importance of spirituality and, and, and why it should be there and the industry reflection on that. So is this more of a just a procedural thing that KCRAP is, is instituting? Or are they, are they reaching to kind of get comment? Do they see that as being an important part of the review process? Are oh, they yes, trying to get yeah. data points? You know, is, is that really what we're talking here more procedurally so that they can better shape their standards moving forward in this important topic? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good way to put it. Is that it, um, it's not uh, simply procedural because obviously it has um, some real, very real implications for training. Um, so it's a very vital process um, to refine the standards. So on, on the one hand, yes, absolutely. This is kind of par for the course procedure. Um, and so the, the, the upswing of interest that I'm talking about, uh, Robert, it, it, it's one thing that I didn't talk about, which I probably should, is that we're also seeing this um, show up 
not just within counseling models, you know, counseling wellness models, but this is now being integrated as part of integrated behavioral health. And so, uh, you know, counseling uh, programs are now receiving grant funding. Uh, Stetson is, is one of those counseling programs that has received uh, federal grant funding from my colleague, Paige Thanisu, uh, who's heading up this project that focuses on getting counselors into integrated behavioral health settings. And what's really interesting is that if you look at the integrated behavioral health models that are in hospitals, um, Spirituality is there. It's right in, it, it is one of the factors of the integrative health paradigm. Um, and so, you know, this is uh, absolutely something that's part, increasingly becoming a part of mainstream, not just mental health practice, but also medical health practice. Um, that this is a, a vital area of, of health for, for patients. So absolutely, there's, uh, you know, SAMHSA has included this within their, um, within their wellness model, integrative behavioral health has in included this within their health model. And that was not the case, you know, that happened over the last 20, 30 years. Um, so absolutely, it's becoming more increasingly uh, mainstream, um, accepted. And, and so, you know, the, the revisions process you know, is, is a whole, uh, it's a related issue. It's in some ways, it's a separate issue. Um, but it's important that, you know, KREP hears from all of those different stakeholders, right? Um, and so, you know, whether or not that, that is a similar perspective to what we shared in our, in our letter um, or not, um, KREP is open to that feedback. Um, and so I've known people who have been on the revisions committee before, um, who have chaired uh, KCREP before, and their experience and my experience with them is that, yes, they're very open to hearing um, the feedback, and it can be very influential in how the standards themselves are constructed and implemented. In your opinion, do you think that they will make any changes to the uh, current standards with this next revision? I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's still a little too early to tell. Um, I'll, I'll be interested to see, you know, how the feedback that not only we've provided, but now that they've had a chance for the broader community also um, of counselor educators, counselors to, to provide feedback. Um, it's still too early to tell which, which way I think that's going to go with the next revision. Um, but I think it's definitely um, something that all interested stakeholders should keep on their radar, you know, is uh, when, when those do come out, I don't know exactly when they, they will come out next. I'm sure it's listed on their website somewhere, um, you know, but I think they do ask for another round of feedback if I, if I remember correctly after this one. Uh, so I can't tell yet, Robert, but Definitely keep it on your radar, listeners. Keep it on your radar um, to to see and pay attention to when those come out. Uh, and of course, it's not just this topic. There's other. It's a very broad, um, exhaustive process, um, and so it's not just religion, spirituality, 
that needs to be addressed in these, these standards, race, um, ethnicity, sexuality, gender, um, all of these, these topics need to be included because um, they all are vital to, to people and, and how they, they live their life. Thanks for bringing that up, Dr. Fox, because I know that's been part of the response to your letter shared on Cessnet. Like, hey, what about these other issues? It's like, yes, uh, you know, both and all. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, yes. that's, that's our wheelhouse as counselors, right? I mean, we kind of, yeah, we want to be able to address all of these things. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, you know, Dr. Fox, it's, it's helpful. I, I made reference earlier, just my own kind of cynicism and kind of this defensiveness, you know. As a student and a baby clinician, it's helpful for me uh, to listen to you because you very masterfully approach this topic with a real kind of voice of reconciliation uh, and unity. And that's helpful for Robert and I because I think we can be a bit more um, aggressive or incendiary or whatever, just being young and immature I mean, in terms of the profession, speak, speak for yourself, here we go. Jeff. Here we Come go. on, here we go. <laughs> all right. Don't lump me in that one. You know, so it, it's encouraging for us. You're just a great example about um, how to have the conversation well, um, and to not have the conversation within kind of this the siloing, like you mentioned, or this kind of echo chamber uh, space, but to have the conversation well with a wider audience, and and to be a good representative of it. So thank you for that. Thanks for just being a good example. It's very edifying. I, I appreciate that. I, um, I, I love seeing people's eyes light up about this topic. And, and sometimes um, I've had the experience of people who may be a, a bit um, anxious about this topic, worried about this topic, really turn the corner. And it's not like they have a religious conversion or something like that. But they, their defenses go down and, and they realize, oh, wow, okay, this is a really vital part of this person's life. And, uh, and so that defensiveness can, can really um, turn a corner. And that's, that's I, I love that. And I love working together collaboratively, seeing people come uh, together on this topic, whatever their background might be uh, related to it. And, and be able to kind of break down some of those barriers that you're, you're mentioning. And, and we can all do that, you know, in our own way. I've certainly done that myself. But to, you know, kind of break down some of those barriers, uh, absolutely. That's, that's the big inspiration behind the uh, Spiritual Religious Competency Project I've mentioned. Um, and, and we have, you know, some real hope that will continue to, to gain momentum. Yeah. Thanks again, Dr. Fox. Uh, that's uh, I echo everything Jeff just said. And what we'll do is for our listeners, we'll put some links into the uh, the project. We can get that information from you, Dr. Fox, on where our listeners can go and get some additional information. And I think it is an, an important topic and it's a great topic to start this new year with, uh, obviously in, in our profession and in our personal lives. And, and we just, like you said, got to pay attention to it. And uh, kind of keep our eyes and ears open, and see see what happens, and continue to to be a voice for for this topic and for this community. So uh, again, thank you for being here. Uh, I want to thank our listeners for taking the time to to uh, stop by and listen to us today. Uh, we got a 
few more episodes lined up for this year, and we're looking forward to it. So stay tuned to us. Uh, you can follow us on any of your platforms, iTunes, uh, Google Play, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts. You can feel free to check us, check us out. Again, it's Renar Voice. So again, Dr. Fox, on behalf of myself and Jeff, thank you for taking the time and investing with us today. Thank you, too.